0: Hey, this is Brandon from Crowbot, and you're tuned into Jay Scott on the Book shaking everybody welcome back it's the hook rocks the ultimate rock community podcast i'm your host jay scott taking you on another rock and roll journey another conversation always appreciate you tuning in and stopping by listening to what i gotta gab about and who i'm gabbing with we are part of the pantheon podcast network a great network of music related podcasts so check out some of my fellow podcasters on pantheon like mac And the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast, Tom and Zeus on the Shout Out Loudcast, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carrie out there in Boston, Chris and Aaron on Decibel Geek, and Martin Popoff, the rock historian, as well as many others, something for everyone's music taste on Pantheon. And don't forget to search up The Hook Rocks wherever you do podcasts. We're on every platform, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you uh podcast we are available and don't forget to follow us on all social media platforms facebook twitter and now instagram we uh we we decided to oh. kind of get with the times and, and be with instagram so
1: welcome yes i speak for instagram when i say welcome <laughs> yes we have an
0: instagram rep on the show we're gonna get to that soon um but also check out some of our recent episodes uh some great interviews with todd dan mckearns Stephen Piercy, joe satriani Mark Tremonti, as well as some great new music spotlights with Native Sons, Stone Broken, Georgia Thunderbolts, and Band Inc., as well as many others. We just had Deep Fall On, which was a a great interview, too, as well, band from Michigan. Also, some great music commentary stuff. We did a live album review of Kiss Alive with The Recivitus, Robin the Hood. Great deep dive into that influential album in 1975. And we had the return of our resident audio expert, Professor Skylab Tapes. You can follow him at Skylab Tapes. On Twitter, we talked about improving your acoustics on your home stereo and audio system, what you can do basically for free to help you get a better sound in your house. He is an awesome guy, he knows everything about audio. And we also touch on how to get a better experience when you see a live show and you're in a venue that maybe doesn't have the best acoustics. Check it out, it's awesome. My next three guests, uh, I've appeared on their show, and this is the first time they've been on the Hook Rocks. It is an honor. It is one of my favorite podcasts to listen to. They're in the neighboring state, Indiana, so there's a lot of cows, there's a lot of corn, there's a lot of wheat where they live. I ended up driving by them and waving when I drove down to Nashville for Creatures Fest. They didn't wave back. I'd like to welcome Andy, Nick, and Chris from the Pot of Thunder. What's happening, guys? How you
1: doing? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for having us.
0: I always like to have my neighbors on.
1: Yeah. And uh, yep. so you, you drove through here and you saw a lot of wheat and corn, huh? <laughs> yes. Okay. Is wheat is a, a crop in Indiana or am I being stupid? I don't know. It probably is. I have no idea. Yeah. So where we live is uh, right in the northwest corner, which essentially is part of the Chicago metropolitan area suburban yes. wise. So we where we are specifically, we have no corn. We have no wheat, but not far from us, what like maybe a 15 minute drive you could probably find corn, 20 minutes.
0: Yes. And, and if then you're pretty much
1: the rest of the state, corn.
0: Right. And then if you're driving down 65, which is one of the worst highways to ever drive. Because yeah. well it's it's gotten better. It used to be horrible. Now it's semi horrible. <sighs>
1: At least the speed limit is like seventy, what is it, seventy-five or something? It's pretty high. Yeah. But it's it's two lanes for most of the way. Yeah. Um,
0: I do like to stop at the prairie farm place, uh, get myself some chocolate milk
1: on the way back. And, and fair, oaks. Bear, fair, fair oaks. oaks. Fair oaks, fair oaks. Yeah, you know it. what? If you if you slip them a twenty, they'll let you punch out one of the cows. <laughs> I've heard that. I've seen video of that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes,
3: that's 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 the inside dope. That's like the, uh, you know, the thing we uh, revealed to our listeners that the code to get the deluxe treatment in an Asian spa off the interstate is the the phrase table shower. So we're going to share that with your listeners as well. That lets everybody know you're not a cop and, uh, you know, you're there for a reason.
0: Well, you know, not only are, do we have the Pot of Thunder on the podcast for talking music, we also invite them on for educational purposes because mm-hmm. you know, where else would you know and what would you need to say when you're traveling down the state of Indiana? And you want to get some relaxation in, you got maybe your joints are all, you know, cramped up because you've been in the car forever, yeah. how long? You don't want to get to Louisville feeling all kind of tight and everything. So you stop off, you get a massage. And to have the best experience, like Chris said, you, you mentioned table shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Try it next time. Yeah, I walked into like
4: that it. same spa and I told him I want to punch the cow and the place got raided five <laughs> minutes later.
0: <laughs> yeah, You can't cross up the slang. I, well, I, I, punch the cow could be, it's like waxing the Jeep, right? It could be, you know part of that lingo that secret lingo uh,
4: it, it, apparently it was way too much
1: for uh for that place i next didn't even he, know what it was next to he, he wants to punch a cow they said are you wearing a wire <laughs> <laughs> immediately ripped my shirt open
0: <laughs> i used to have a friend named tom who was from lafayette and hmm. he would refer to instead of saying what was it punch punch the what punch the cow, punch he, would the call, cow he, yeah. he would call it punching the clump Mm, so yeah, so, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're all in the vicinity. Yeah, of, I do
1: keep I do keep a bozo hairstyle down there, so that makes sense. Okay. Do you, I do you wanna, in the middle and I let the sides grow out like like Larry <laughs> Fine. Do you, you want to talk about why you have an Erica Strada t shirt from uh oh, the late seventies? Are you talking about the, the um, openness of yes, my uh, yes, bus? Yes. Well yes. it's summertime. As we record this, it's June twenty seventh, and I have a rule in the summertime. Um, most shirts of this style have seven buttons. I have a three, four rule, the bottom three buttons get buttoned, the top four stay open. And however the shirt lays is how it lays. So, you know, and this is an everyday thing. This is an everyday thing. Yeah. That's it. So I suggest you adopt the three, four rule yourself yeah i don't know, uh, I don't he's, know. he's already he, he's actually already done
3: that i was going to compliment you jay on your uh, instagram feed your but your bikini shots are outstanding i mean they're they're right up there with all the millions of other bikini shots that are out
0: there. none of those are photoshopped either
3: chris <laughs> no, those, no. Are, those are just all natural there's no just thing. You're just straight dope, and it's you you go toe to toe with some of these professional bikini models.
5: I'm do you know what? I,
0: do you know what I do to keep my skin glowing like that? I mean, it's, right it's, it's through a Northwest time. Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's I get my cream from Northwest Indiana, right next to the massage parlor that you guys frequent.
1: Mm. So maybe you don't want you, know? you don't want to know where the cream comes from. No, <laughs> no, you know, so. Yeah. All right, we got, we got, we got to stay on target. We got to. We're, we're yeah,
3: uh, too late, too late. <laughs> Nobody's luck. listening anymore. So
1: we're good. I don't, I don't envy you Jay right now. <laughs> well, trying to get this, trying to keep this train on the tracks.
0: It's uh it's a tough job. It, it's a, that's, it's too soon for that kind of joke right now. Do you hear what happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, did it Oh, that's crash? right. Yeah. I yeah. didn't hear about that. No, I didn't hear that. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't know. Yeah. yeah. No, no train jokes for 48 hours. I, it was not intentional. I'd like to take this moment to apologize for my faux pas. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. So I put a post
0: out today on Twitter, probably about a day late. I was hoping to do it yesterday, but completely forgot. But we were going to do this show last week, and then I fell ill. And uh, we had to pause the, uh, the day, but here we are. We're going to be talking the most underrated band of all time, most underrated rock band or artist of all time. There's a lot to choose from, but here's kind of the qualifications. They can't be in the rock and roll hall of fame, but not be mainstream, right? There's those bands that are like, oh, they're not in the mainstream. They're not played on, you know, they're never played on regular radio, but they're in the rock and roll of fame and they sold millions of records. That's not underrated or underappreciated, okay? They got to that point because, they were good, and they were excellent, and they had a huge fan base, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is a band. These are bands or artists that were excellent, were awesome. <laughs> and maybe they had a little bit of, toe, you know, dipping the toe of, in the success pool a little bit, but never anything sustainable and kind of been forgotten about, okay. you know? Like when you talk about, like, the great rock bands, you mentioned Beatles, Up and Stones, all those great bands – and there's a lot of great other bands out there that never get mentioned that you know had maybe about three and a half minutes in the sun, and that was kind of it. Not even a 15-minute okay. fame, but that is really the qualifications here. I've got my choice. So who wants to start off? Why don't we start off with Nick? He's our leadoff hitter, so he can go ahead and start. Um,
4: so I have a runner-up. I guess I could throw out there first if that's okay, kind of like uh, what Andy was saying. A uh, band that Uh, I believe they're still around, still doing what they do. Uh, They were only mainstream for a couple of years back in the 90s. And uh, they are, I think people don't really realize how good a band they are. And that's Real Big Fish. You dick. (laughs) That's not even my number one. Uh (laughs) Did I ruin it for you? Maybe. Was that your number one? Yeah, it was. Okay, then maybe you should go.
3: Well, you are—you already spilled. Yeah, it. go ahead. Go ahead. Finish okay. out your thing, and then Andy. Okay. Well, that
4: uh, okay. That was just my runner-up, but um, uh, my my number one would be a band. We did a we covered a song of theirs on uh, one of our episodes, and they're not an American band. They didn't have much success in America. But they were popular in their native country, um, and that's Anvil. No, I'm just kidding. It's. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, the Angels. I have to go with the Angels. I've been singing their praises for a little while now. Angel or the Angels? The Angels. They were also, uh, there was, I guess, some sort of a copyright or trademark issue when they came over and played in the States, and they would be called Angel City. Okay. But uh, they were uh, label mates, and uh, they were label mates with ACDC touring touring band that opened for them uh, at some point. So they kind of got discovered by them. Uh, George Young, their uh, Malcolm and Angus's brother produced them early on, so they very linked up with DC um, and I, a lot of musically, a lot of the songs uh, sound similar to something you'd hear from DC, but then there was more of a punk and almost new wave edge to it. So it was, in my opinion, a little bit musically more, musically and lyrically a bit more interesting um, than what ACDC typically would be putting out. So that's, yeah, that's how I describe them. And also the frontman, uh, Doc Neeson, um, I would rank him in the top 10 all-time rock frontmen. Absolutely captivating, fantastic frontman.
0: Really? Yeah. Highly recommend them. So what's a good album to start, you know, for them? Uh,
4: one of their, I guess one of their older ones uh, would be face to face. That's, that's one that I, that, yeah, I would say that's a good starting point I think It's from maybe 78 or something like that. I don't remember the year exactly. Uh, there's one from uh, the eighties uh, called beyond salvation. That's got some good, it's a little more of that time period of the eighties, like not really party rock, but it's got that element
0: to it. So, yeah, I would highly recommend them. Now, if someone searches them up, are they searching for the Angels? Or are they searching for Angel City?
4: Uh, I t- I would say the Angels. You should probably be able to find it. I know they have a Wikipedia page, the Angels. It's like
1: Australian band in uh, parentheses. I just looked them up on Apple Music as we're talking, and um, the Angels works. Okay. What's, a, what's like their best song oh best
0: song
4: um I like uh after the rain
3: is one that I really like um, originally, originally titled after the table shower I <laughs> you, they, they had to uh they had to readjust that for you know mass consumption right right, yep. They have a they have a live album called Live Line. That's
4: every song pretty much on that is
0: it sounds great. So it's it's just great song after great song. I'd recommend that highly. Why are you so passionate about them? Why do you think they're the most underrated band of all time? Um,
4: I I guess just because they didn't get, I guess they toured the states but didn't really hit at all. They didn't break uh, over in the states. I, I my understanding is they they. In the pub, Australian pub rock bands like ACDC, Rose Tattoo, people like that, that they are known over there. They, you know, they had success over there, but uh, here they never really broke. It's kind of like a Slade situation where, you know, success in their home country weren't able to really crack the U.S. for some reason. Just it's one of those bands that I think had it. They had everything that that would have been necessary in order to have done that maybe it was just a business you know something behind the scenes is the reason they didn't they didn't end up being
0: able to do it but I think they had all the tools awesome
3: what about you chris what's your choice um man well when you uh went into the criteria i kind of had to shuffle some things around a bit because i wasn't sure if uh, some of my choices would uh, would qualify, so so I disqualified uh, Rival Sons, which I think should be the biggest band in the world based on the fact that of the strength of their material, the strength of their singer, the image, the uh, quality of the production of their albums, everything top flight. Um, they should. Be the biggest band in the world, yet they're opening for the likes of Greta Van Fleet, who's the darlings of the music press for that style of music, and that just seems backward to me, but um, you know, they've, they've been around for a while, they've carved out a great career for themselves, they're just not like, you know, on a Zeppelin level, which I believe they should be, but um, so I had to disqualify them for that reason.
2: Um...
3: And then when you were listing off the uh, criteria, I, another band popped into my mind. Um, so I'm I'm kind of wrestling with uh, which with which one to pick, but um, MTV mention has uh, made my choice clear. My uh, band uh, fits this theme of this episode would be Taxi with two X's. Uh, early MTV, they early MTV era, they came out with an album called States of Emergency, and they had they made three videos from that album. I don't recall seeing one of them, but the other two was for uh, Cocktail Queen and I'm Leaving. Uh, I think I've both, heard I'm Leaving. Yeah, both were in pretty heavy, you know, moderately heavy rotation on very early mtv i'm talking like i think the album came out in 83 something like that um you know kind of kind of a new wavy sound but you know some heavy guitars on there uh danny chauncey played some lead guitar on that album i think he went on to be in 38 special i think something like that you know pretty prominent studio guy and also uh Randy Jackson of uh, American Idol and uh, Part Time Journey fame uh, was the bass player. And really? As, as Nick will tell you, I love the <laughs> single bass fill he plays over and over again on every song as part of
1: Can you do it with your mouth? <laughs> what? Can you play? Can you do it with your mouth? Uh, I think so. It goes like blah, 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 like that. <laughs> Can you do Um, that again? I didn't get
3: that quite... I got it, I got
1: it. It It sounds sounds like Sanford and Son, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You (laughs) know what I'm saying? He might just be be playing that main horn riff from Sanford and Son.
3: But um, it's an eight-song album, and it's one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, uh, The the first side starts off with a great song, uh, Girl parentheses new york city and then it goes into a power ballad that i actually like called the heart is a lonely hunter and then goes into cocktail queen and i'm leaving and then the deep cuts on side two uh are just outstanding and um you know again they had their shot they had plenty of exposure on mtv but i just i never noticed them coming around live or playing live anywhere i'm sure they did but i just never appeared on my radar back in the day and then they just kind of went away um but uh the the album is on spotify it's called uh, again states of emergency by taxi with two x's Hmm. and um you know everybody knows i like uh harder rock stuff and 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 all of that and this is this is closer to the to the cars sound, I would say, because it's new wavy, but it's got some you know pretty good guitar playing and uh, and um, just one of my all time favorite albums that hardly anybody has ever heard of.
4: Is that the one with Whipping Boy on it? It is. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm a fan of that one.
0: Yeah, that's a good album. I've, I've heard that. It's been a while since I've listened to that, but that's a solid choice.
3: Yeah, it's on it's on Spotify. The whole album's also on YouTube. Somebody put it up there. Um, it, it's it's great, I think so anyway. And and especially you know the the songs on side two that probably hardly anybody has ever heard. It's all great. So
0: that's a solid pick. What um, did they
3: ever have any like success with touring or anything like that? Yeah, that's it's, like I said. I, I I saw the you know back in the day. I saw the videos on MTV, and and as we know how it was with MTV and radio, you saw or heard something you like, and you go down to the record store, and you're like, you know, I'm taking a flyer on this album and buy the whole thing, you know. And of course, everybody who listens to show knows that the the one time I was colossally colossally disappointed is when I bought. Uh, out of the blue by ELO and uh, realized it was one of the worst albums of all time. And also, uh, it was a double album. So I had to pay extra for that crap. So I ended up destroying the eight track at my parents' driveway in disgust after halfway through the first listen. But, but back in the day, you'd see a song you like on MTV or here on the radio and you'd go down to the record store and you'd pop for the album. And, uh, more times than not you'd you'd find that the you know deep cuts uh were excellent as well and that's how you you know started to uh really appreciate entire albums as a cohesive work and uh, and that's how I got drawn into that and um like I said they, they had no shortage of exposure on MTV and uh you know you'd I was starting to go to concerts around that time, you know, early 80s and I'd keep my eyes open for them if they were coming around opening for somebody or even headlining a small club and I never saw any indication of them doing any touring in the states. I think they're uh, Brit- British guys, the core of the band. And and then they just went away. I don't even know if they recorded a follow-up. I think they had an album or two before States of Emergency, but It was like their pinnacle, and as far as I know, they just kind of petered out after that, which is a shame.
1: I wanted to mention something about 38 Special because you just said their name a minute ago. I was driving on the highway, and I saw one of those digital billboards with, like, upcoming shows somewhere. I don't even know what venue it would have been. But it said 38 Special, and it had a picture of the band. And I was like, there's not one human being on earth who's going to look at a picture of the band right now and be like, I need to go see these guys. <laughs> like it, it did the opposite of what the intended effect was. Not knocking their music or their accomplishments, their abilities, but these five guys look like shit in this picture. <laughs> that's when you use the logo, right? Just use just, the logo. Just, that's what I was thinking. Just put up the logo, man. We don't, yeah, we don't need the that-
3: band photo. Especially in this vicinity, you you, you put any sort of uh, gun imagery up there, people are just going to flock to it. But, so no, that's, that's what true. Should have. That American flag, right? That too, yeah. And we're coming up on you know the, the holiday weekend, so yeah. Whoever's in the marketing department at Four Winds Casino can, can take a uh, can take a uh, their cues from Andy Jones. Ah. <laughs>
0: Is there, is it me or is the name Patriot in so many new businesses now? Patriot oh, lawn man. care, Patriot mortgage, Patriot this, Patriot that. Everything is
1: Patriot. It could be. What you does know? it take to actually be a Patriot? I, I guess know. we could have a whole other podcast about that. Well, what yeah, are right. the qualifications? I think, you- uh,
3: I think the, 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 the big, big, the, the main word American has been commandeered by every business out there. So you have to go to the next one on the list. That's going to, you know, attract the, uh, chest beating flag waving jingoists out there. And it would be a Patriot would be next.
0: The whole flag thing, the truck flag thing, Yeah, you know, where it's like people are just driving around with flag. Like when did, Driving around with a flag Mm. attached to your car become a thing.
4: Uh, well, around here it happens every Mexican Independence Day. Very true. It's 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 a big thing. Yeah. People get the biggest flag they can and fly it
0: out the car window. And and when the World Cup happens too as well. Yeah. Yeah, When the World uh, Cup happens, like, you know, you got Polish flags, you got German flags, you got everything happening with the with the World Cup. mm Mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's except
1: for that's the time when all the American flags go away because we know we have no chance in hell. (laughs) Well, it's just like you
0: know, with the with the truck flags, it's like it's it's almost like like dude, I can't see around your car because there's this big huge flag and pole sticking out the back of your truck.
1: It's like I I think the size of the flag has to do with. uh the obnoxious factor and you can just tell how big of an asshole the person is regardless of what country the flag is representing just based on the size of the flag. If you've got a flag of your country a bumper sticker, good for you. That's cool. But when it's like, whatever that would be, uh, like a four by six flag somehow mounted to the back of your pickup truck. It's ridiculous. I've got like cords holding
0: the pole steady Mm -hmm. and the, you You know, know, it's like, man, uh, yeah, I like the, uh, The Rival Sons pick, though, you know, even though it may not meet the qualification, I agree with everything you say about Rival Sons in that they are just a tremendous band with tremendous songs, with great musicianship, great singer, a very, um, a a guitar player that really experiments a lot with tone and different Mm -hmm. sounds. I love the band. I've seen them live a few times. They're just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, if there is a underrated band that is inexistent now, I would either say it's a neck and neck between them
3: and Blackberry Smoke. Yeah, Blackberry Smoke is uh, is cool, too. I, yeah. I In fact, uh, thanks to your show, I didn't even realize they had that Stones cover EP uh, out, so I went to Spotify immediately and checked that out. And, um Uh, yeah i mean these this style that's those styles of bands in the 70s were you know flying around on 747s and uh you know violating women with fish backstage you know the 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 whole all the zeppelin uh you know trappings of massive success and uh it's kind of good that they're they play like the smaller venues because it gives you that better experience when you see them live but it's it's you, you see it and you're just like man this level of talent these guys should be the kings of the world and it's that's just not where the music industry is today but yeah you know, thank god they're still out there yeah. unintended flying the flag for that uh style of music and
2: mm-hmm.
3: and that we get to enjoy you know what they put out and and see them in a relatively intimate settings when they come around
0: there's always a sense every time i see either rival sons or blackberry smoke i always have a sense of disappointment as i'm enjoying their music not disappointment in them in their music but just disappointed that man this music is incredible and it's a shame that more people don't know these bands because it, I've had, I just had Paul Jackson on, like you said. Yeah. And, I mean, they crisscross the country several times per year. Rival Sons should be having an album out this year. Their, their last album, Feral Roots, was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, and you just have to ask yourself, like, what is wrong with people? Maybe, maybe it's because of all the truck flags. Maybe, that's, maybe if we get rid of the truck flags, those bands, people will have something to, to put their attention on. Maybe that's the solution, Chris. What do you think?
3: Well, I think it, I think the truck flags are probably a euphemism for just how much bullshit in general people are distracted by, and they yes. can't appreciate real quality. And then there's also the fact that you know the 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 reality of it, and which has always been the reality in the music industry, is if you don't have people behind you marketing the crap out of what you're doing, there's only so far you could go yeah you know, people need to be told what to listen to what to like you know and then when that you know group think starts uh spreading people just want to get with the crowd and that's how things blow up like that And in the parlance of our times that's how things go viral um and you know um that just the, the the record companies of old it's different now but still you know that's the uh that's the x factor is that that huge marketing machine that uh gets uh bands artists you name it in front of people and convinces them that you should like this that's what's That's what happened with Greta Van Fleet. I mean, you can't tell me those guys just organically became as big as they are based on their level of talent and development. It's just not there compared to a band like Rival Sons. Somebody got behind them and pushed them into the mainstream, and that's why they're headlining a Bills with a far superior band like Rival Sons warming up for them it's it's it kind of like megadeth warming up for five finger death punch you know and what 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 alternate universe are we living in where this is happening i that i that i just i understand why it is because five finger death punch is the insane clown posse of metal and they're you know hugely popular because somehow they've been marketed to be that way but when 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 you're looking at a bill and Megadeth is opening for them, it just it doesn't compute with me. I
0: will disagree with you on the Greta thing. I will also agree with you on some of it. I think, yes, they did start out organically. These guys were playing ribfests, they were playing, you know, county festivals before Highway Tune blew up. Once Highway Tune blew up they reached a whole nother level and record companies saw the reaction that people were having towards them, whether it was good or bad, whether the reaction is, is, is inconsequential. Any reaction that you see an artist have record labels take notice. I had the pleasure of seeing them at Lincoln hall in the city of Chicago, which I think is about a 500 capacity uh, venue. And they were absolutely phenomenal. Um, Do they reach the level of rival sons? Uh, I would say I'm more partial to rival sons, but I do think Greta is great live. They're a fantastic band. I do like the fact that they're trying to evolve. They're trying to get out of that Led Zeppelin comparison, which is very... um, very daunting for them to have that comparison. Cause it's kind yeah. of, I, I, if I was, if I was giving them advice as a manager, if I was their management company, I would say, embrace it. Stop trying to run away from it. Just embrace it. But I have seen them live three times and they're great. I do think though, that once there was a reaction to them, a very, I mean, they blew up on that one song highway tune. And then that's when the money came in. That's when, that's when you saw them reach the level or the reason why they're at the level they are right now. I also think it's smart for rival sons to open up for them as much as, as much as it may hurt their ego. um, Greta's playing to a younger audience, which is what every rock band needs right now.
3: Every new rock band needs is a younger audience. Yeah, no, they, they I mean, I—I I, I don't get any sense. Granted, they're putting their best foot forward on yeah. social media, but I don't get any sense that they're bitterly taking that slot. You know, they're—they're—they're they're, they're all. I mean, they opened for Sabbath on the at the, the end tour, yep. and now they're running this gamut. And that, you know, they're all about just getting in front of as many people as they possibly can. So I don't—I don't get that sense at all from them. Um, I—I'd I'd just be curious. The thing that fascinates me about Greta is just, again, how did Highway Tune blow up the way it did? If it happened completely organically, like it used to, like back in the day where some Cleveland DJ played Working Man by Rush because it was a long song and enabled them to go to the bathroom while they played uh, on their shift, and it just, they, that's how Rush became Rush then I'm encouraged by that because it shows you that kind of thing can still happen. Not everybody is completely manufactured um, to fit a a style or a trend or something like that. But, you know, the cynic in me is like, okay, some, some inner workings were happening behind the scenes to make this happen, which kind of has, has, again, has happened, uh, as far back, yeah, I mean, you could go back to Elvis and say that the whole thing was orchestrated, but um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I totally appreciate their success, and I would like to see more bands like that achieve the success, and if it fell to Rival Sons and Blackberry Smoke, even better, but um, I don't know, I just, I'd be curious exactly how highway tune blew up the way it did.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's a great question. I just remember seeing the video having it being a posted on social media and it struck a chord with a lot of people. How it got there, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That's a great question. So I'm
1: not willing to give them a chance because their band name rhymes with man feet. <laughs> so... I'm not even going to sample their music. That's as good a reason
0: as any that I've heard. <laughs> you know, um, it'll be interesting to see where they go and uh, and see what happens to the band. I will say that. You know, I mean, I, I, I like them. I've I've been a fan of theirs. My son, his friends are all into them, um, and that's great. That's what we need. We need more young people listening to listening to this music. Yep, agree. So why don't we get into some of the uh, listener responses on social media? I don't,
3: I don't think you got Andy yet. We'll come Andy. back. We'll come back. Oh, okay. All right.
0: We'll come Just back. We,
3: get, we, got, we got to break it
0: up a little bit. Okay. Um, got it. Um, but why don't we, uh, you know, at the midway point here, why don't we kind of go through some of the picks of the listeners here for the Hook Rocks. We got Bada Bing 1968. I wonder if he's a – Sopranos fan. Sounds like it. Uh, he picked Vital Escape, debut album called Escapism. It's a band I
1: am not familiar with. Um, it's a band will... featuring Bada Bing 1968 on guitar and vocal. <laughs> he,
0: he, it's been a while since he's played, too, on an album. <laughs> so he's got to... I mean, that's in itself a reason yeah. to check him out. And I was, thinking, I, I was
4: thinking that, too. Someone... Not saying this is the case. We're we're not making an official accusation here, but I, I would guess that somebody would say my band is totally
0: underrated. <laughs> that's a good that's a good point. Is Bada I don't think Bada Bang is in the band Vital Escape. Perhaps not. I don't think he is. Uh Robin the Hood, the Reciprous, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, he did our live album review, Kiss Alive, 1975. We've done four of those right now. We did the Great uh, album by Finn Lizzy, loud and or uh, loud and dangerous,
2: dangerous yeah.
0: yeah, and or live and dangerous I should say live yeah. and dangerous, and then we did Iron Maiden live after dark, Death. and then live after Jesus. I think there
3: is a. There might be a live after dark one as well later on. But. I
1: think I think live after dark is is a Cinemax thing. Yeah, it um, is. It's there's a box set that comes with the Red Shoe Diaries and Taxi Cab Confessions. You can get it at Menards. <laughs> <laughs> so so live after death by uh, by Iron Maiden, and
0: then we did Humble Pie Rockin' the Fillmore, prior to us doing Kiss Alive. So check all those out. But his choice, he's got a, two one underrated, one underappreciated. He picked as underrated the Marshall Tucker Band, which is a solid pick, and underappreciated the band Trouble, which is the Chicago area thrash band from the 80s. Yeah,
3: I've heard a lot about them. Yes. Were they uh, didn't they used to play the like the Thirsty Whale circuit? Yes. Right? Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes they did. Yeah. Right next to Gene and Jews, the best hot dogs you could ever possibly eat in your entire life.
3: Are you a member of the? you a member of the Thirsty Whale? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I stumbled upon that recently, and uh, yeah, I was. It's, it's fa- what a fascinating time capsule uh, of the you know the the whole scene with the talk to- or the hot dog stand that you mentioned, and just some of the surrounding clubs that those bands would play. Amazing. What were yeah. the
1: years? of uh the thirsty whale. We're
0: probably talking early to mid 80s to like 92,
3: 93. Yeah, but that I was that
0: was the heyday. That was the heyday.
3: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was like it kind of came and went uh in in tandem with the Blaze uh, radio station, WVBX 103.1. Yeah, all the, the the hair metal, glam rock and yeah. whatnot.
0: I I was sneaking in there at the age of 13, 12 years old, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. That's supposed uh, to be 21. Sometimes. But they didn't check IDs back then. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, Let's go to Chris Comerado. I think that's how you pronounce it. He's going to choose Walking Papers. Duff McKagan. Uh, Yeah. Duff McKagan and Barrett Martin played bass and drums respectively in their first two albums.
3: Yeah, he uh, he's one of our listeners. I actually met him in person I was in Philly this past weekend, and he lives there. And he he mentioned he's mentioned them to me before, and then he mentioned them to me while I was there.
1: So is I'm gonna it have to find Take What's it that? In? I said, "What is he? Their manager? Take it easy, Camarado." Hey, man, the guy he, he likes what he
3: likes, you know. Um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I need to get off my <clears throat> butt and. Uh, get into some of that on uh spotify but he he just can't stop raving about him
0: i love his last name camarado it sounds like an italian dish <laughs> you
3: know <laughs> yeah he he's uh you know a jersey philly guy you know yeah. he, he, he'd he send you to the bottom of the river without even thinking twice about it
1: the lincoln funeral yeah I'm just glad i'm on his good side <laughs> Although I'm glad that Nick was the one who made that comment about him being the manager. Yeah, That's, <laughs> it's all Nick. All Nick. Well, it, it,
0: my time had to come eventually. <laughs> if, if if anyone needs Nick's address, yeah, um, I know a couple guys on the show that could give that to you. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, Bruno McDonald at Bruno McDonald one chose the band Hole. Three splendid albums, Captivating Live, were playing where Did You Sleep Last Night when Kurt Cobain was still covering Kiss songs. I could go on. Hole is interesting. I mean, they had a a, a period of success there, mm-hmm. although I don't think it was anything sustaining after an album or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could kind of squeeze them in there, I guess, for under, underrated, but they did have a nice run. I think that's fair. I mean, yeah.
4: the, after Kurt Cobain died... Courtney Love was one of the biggest celebrities on the planet, I would say for a little while. So I don't, I mean, I guess musically, if we're talking about the band, maybe underrated, but yeah, as far as, as far as notoriety goes, I would say they certainly had plenty of that. Um, And then it made me think of uh, Andy and Chris and I had uh, shared a video with each other a little while back of what was it from 1980? I'm going to guess 1984 when uh, Courtney Love was on some kind of like public access TV show, uh, fronting Faith No More. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Super, super bizarre. Mm -hmm. So she's got the rock and roll street cred.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, On to Skylab Tapes. The uh, gentleman I just mentioned, who are audio expert here on the Hook Rocks, his underrated band of all time is the band Saga they had a bit of a breakout with their fourth album Worlds Apart but they have made absolutely terrific music for decades and should have been much bigger or should have have been a much bigger success than they were so i remember
3: Saga part yep. of the MTV generation mid early to mid 80s yeah you had the uh, what wind him up was one of the videos and uh was what was it uh, on the loose was the other big one yep. yeah yeah they were you know kind of proggy, a little yes-like, if you will, um, kind of got that vibe from them. Uh, but, those, again, kind of like Taxi, you know, they, those 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 videos were in heavy rotation. I mean, if you were like most people when you first got MTV and you watched it for probably 22 hours a day because <laughs> you couldn't get enough of it, it's such a new, exciting thing. You, you saw those videos several times a day, so... I mean, you you can't really get a whole lot better or more extensive exposure than that, really.
0: On to Robbie Cavanaugh at CAM Cav 8. He went with, he he had a few choices in his post Uh, Kick Axe Band, which I know Chris Jericho will enjoy that selection. I see Uh, Chris shaking his head over there. Kicks the Band which I don't know if I would say, I mean, they do meet some of the qualifications where they never really were a headliner of an arena or anything like that, but they did have a handful of hits on MTV.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah, So
0: so I don't know if I would say that they were underrated, maybe underappreciated is a better term Um, for, for I don't
4: know. My, my older brother years ago, um, the, the parish priest let him park his car. And, uh, so he went and parked the priest's car Came back and he's like, "Yeah, he had a Kicks tape in his tape deck. The priest did." I'm like, "Well, maybe, maybe Kicks is a l- little more popular than I thought they were." Hmm. It's gotten it. It, it got to it, it, somebody that you wouldn't think was sitting around watching MTV all
1: the time. Maybe he was using Kicks as a portal to talk to Jesus. I don't know. It could be. Yeah, you know, I'm going to veto that one because I'm going to say Kicks is not one of the most underrated bands. It's not even one of the most underrated <laughs> serials of all time. <laughs> I haven't had kick
0: cereal in a while so i mean if we were going underrated cereals
2: mm-hmm.
0: who i would probably go honey bunches of oats okay and uh
4: cereals that no longer exist uh be included in this sure because i'm going clusters
0: clusters Whoa. i were had clusters oh man
4: delicious little honey nut clusters uh with some flakes and honey nut clusters
0: was that like an off-brand? You bought it like Zayers?
4: No, no, they had commer- they had plenty of commercials. Uh, there was like it was always a squirrel
3: trying to steal your cereal.
0: Okay, okay, <laughs> all right. What about you guys?
3: Uh, the one that's coming to mind, I think they brought it back for uh, you know cool factor, nostalgia, but uh, Quisp back mm. in the day. Mm. How's that Quisp? <laughs> this little uh, eight.
4: Didn't they have Nick? You're familiar with. There's the one store that still carries it. My oldest son really loves it.
3: So. Yeah, I thought I, I, I thought they brought it back for like yeah. you know some 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 nerd and some marketing department forced that it's, one through. It's or, shaped like sickle cells. <laughs> that's what I want to eat for breakfast. Right, <laughs> and, and that's what they look like. Is it? What's the mascot? Some little oh, egg? yeah, There's like a
1: propeller on his head or something. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. You never heard a quiz, Jay? No. <laughs> yeah, that's. that's from, a uh, good. I, I never heard a.
0: I never heard a. A food described as it looks like sick. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah. Like I don't even know what the fuck a sickle cell looks like. <laughs> oh, that, that I was going to say, how, how do you even make that comparison? Who, who yeah. makes that comparison? The answer, Nick Jones.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
2: Uh, like,
3: honestly, man, like like, what the fuck does a sickle cell look like?
0: Like, oh, it looks like a sickle cell. I, I don't looks, even know. Yeah. <laughs> First thing
3: that came to mind when I saw it. And of course, for that reason, he started serving it to his son and his son (laughs) loves
1: it here i'm not gonna eat this you eat it (laughs) this looks disgusting to me but i won't tell you why Uh, are you gonna stick with uh kicks
0: andy um
1: yeah sure okay (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) is honeycombs do you consider honeycombs an underrated cereal no, I think they
4: I, had enough popularity. I, I would say no, because they, they're they generic. Uh, you could buy the huge bags of generic honeycombs. Okay. I think if they've reached that level, where there
1: are knockoffs. You know, I'll tell you my actual favorite cereal, um, just since we're on the subject. it's not, I don't think it's underrated, but it's always been an odd one, because I loved it since I was a kid. Crispix. Yeah. Still love it. Always loved it. It's a damn good cereal. Those little hexagons.
0: Yeah. My grandfather used to eat that all the time. So it is good. Really, uh, really, you know, help push out the stool
1: early in the morning. It, too. it does, yeah. <laughs> it's not overly sweet. We had the comment about uh, kickaxe
3: Me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I fired back at the guy who uh, said that. I'm like, you and Jericho with your fucking kick kickaxe, get out of here with that. I mean, they just weren't that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, that's it. They just, they, they, it's, it's like Anvil, you know, the, the music is just not that good. I, I don't care if you like them because you think the guys are nice or that they deserve success or reminds you of a period in your life that the music just doesn't hold up man.
0: uh robbie Kavanaugh also mentions kingdom come which i disagree with and helix the band which i do agree with
3: yeah. Helix is a great band helix was good i saw them open for triumph on the thunder seven tour that was a good really good uh you know canadian double bill um uh, so, you know, again, uh, opening for bands and arenas and having that shot, you know, you, can, you kind of uh, traipsing into the area where they don't really might not meet the criteria, but I get why you mention them. I think I think others of that ilk would be like uh, Coney Hatch or Chilliwack of uh, those sort of under underappreciated, underrated bands. Uh, Canadian bands who uh, also had, you know, some MTV exposure.
0: Thane of the Woods, at Thane of the Woods, his pick was Aldenova, mm. which, you know, had the big hit with Fantasy. I'm um, not really familiar with a, a lot of his other material, so I can't really can't speak to it, but I know there's a lot of people that do think Aldenova was very underrated.
3: Yeah, I can see that
0: uh chris mcgowan at usa usana chris he picked king's x which i agree with king's x very underrated and underappreciated band kind of like that bridge of the 80s scene into the grunge scene with what they were doing
3: yeah and they're another one i mean they they played at woodstock 94 you know and were you know uh had, videos in rotation on mtv and it's just uh you know you you, some people you put some stuff in front of people and they just aren't having it at least on a massive scale where they should be like you know like we talked about um enjoying the fruits of success and gluttony and riches like all the legendary 60s and 70s bands did i mean they're still at it doing their thing and have been career musicians so i mean in that respect they they went way farther than a lot of other bands but you know again the the quality of the material would lead you to believe that they should be massively successful and it just never happened for them
4: yeah I i think that as far as the level of success goes or like quality of the band versus level of success achieved another band you always hear in that conversation is blue murder
0: yeah, Blue Murder definitely
4: same kind of thing where people just you, there's a group of people, a limited group of people who just swear it's the greatest band of all time, just so good. And it's just the the success, and they were I think they were on rotation and TV back when back when they were around. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they had some exposure, but yeah, similar to King's X, just uh, never never broke huge time like a lot of people think they should have.
0: Rich at Fuzzdoom Doom, Rip chose Zebra, a three-piece fan that had uh, some mild success in the 80s. That's a good, solid, underrated pick. A lot of people do like them. Uh, my Rock and Roll Heaven, at Rock These Tweets, chose Lee Aaron. A lot of Canadian artists on this list, too, as well. Mm. So uh, she, you know, had some mild success here in America. A couple songs, hit mainstream radio, but nothing like Top 10 or anything like that. Um, big in Canada as well, but never really achieved a big rate of success in the U.S.
3: And as I mentioned about her on Twitter, um, you know, any shot she would have had at success here in America, where it was uh, completely destroyed by the uh, ease of uh, connecting her name to that of the Flying errands. Uh,
1: <laughs> that would do it.
3: You make that connotation, you're you're finished as an artist. Just, uh, <laughs> Look what happened to Aaron
0: Lewis. Can you speak to the flying errands? I've, I'm not familiar with this. Uh, uh, I I haven't spoken video.
3: to them in years. So
0: okay, okay.
3: Uh, <laughs> you got two of them on your show tonight, so okay. Put it that way. Oh, so you guys, this is your band. Yeah, we've come to our band
4: was underrated. Oh, so underrated. <laughs> what was the biggest hit for flying flying
1: errands oh, everything Andy wrote <laughs> I picked one you wrote
0: did, did Andy have his uh, seven button policy back in the days of the flying errands
1: half the time I had a no shirt policy no buttons topless a borderline bottomless occasionally well then no
0: one was there if you go to a topless bottomless bar
1: that's right
0: that's an old, that's an old Running Dangerfield joke. <laughs> I went to a a topless and bottomless bar. Nobody was there. Uh, David Searles at David E Searles on Twitter chose Tesla. I don't know if I agree with that. Hmm. I don't they know had a them. they had a lot of success. They never were a headliner, so that is one no, qualification.
3: Not, that's not, not that's that's actually not true. arenas they toured they they headlined arenas. They, yeah, I saw them headline down here the uh, at the time the New World Music Theater, which is the big outdoor shed. Really? Here. Okay. Yeah, ninety two on the Psychotic Supper Tour, they were the headliners. Firehouse was the opener, and um, while it wasn't sold out, you know they they had to have a, a, around thirty thousand people there. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't remember it. that, but that's yeah.
0: yeah. Okay
4: constant airplay on chicago rock radio um, mm-hmm. I, the acoustic album blew up yeah yeah i mean their cover of signs was everywhere probably still yep. is
0: love song was a big hit yeah them. so i don't know if i would give them underrated i mean they're they're
4: awesome yeah but uh, but whether they're underrated i don't know i wouldn't say so because a lot of people uh, a lot of musicians you bring up guitar players who's the most under underappreciated lead guitar player they go to Tesla.
0: They do mention Frankie Hannon a lot. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Puckhead at MBTA, Abs 9. He chose the Afghan Wigs. Uh, I'm not really familiar with much of their music, so I can't really speak to them. Do you guys know a lot about them? I know the name. That's it. Yeah. yeah.
3: Me too. You know, every, everybody raves about the Gentleman album. Um, and uh, you know, I, I just hearing years and years of people being like it's a masterpiece, you gotta listen to it. I checked it out once and it just nothing on it grabbed me. I, I that that I them I I don't get. I admit that I didn't, you know, didn't let it grow on me, but um, you know, I, I the way I look at it, it's like if somebody's raving about something that much it's going to grab me right away. And when it doesn't, I'm just like, this is just probably not for me. I don't get what's going on here. So
4: I had a similar experience um, because for years and years and years, uh, people say the Santa Rosa album by the Pixies is an absolute masterpiece. I listened to it. I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't like I'm going, I'm listening to it over and over and over. Cause I'm falling in love with it. I don't know it was just it, maybe at the time when it came out with what I, well what else was going on in the overall music scene maybe that i think that plays had, into it, had to be that. there yeah for the to for the overall appreciation but it just wasn't there for when i went on youtube and listened to it you know
0: uh and finally last comment turbo at turbo kya he chose the band funkadelic Ooh. interesting
3: Hmm. yeah i that's another one i would question just because this massive influence and also you know back in the 70s they were i know they were uh playing mass like the, those massive festivals that would come through like soldier field or out oakland coliseum and stuff like that texas uh jam type football stadiums and i think uh you know at least for a couple of those cycles they were the headliner so i mean
4: well, plus they they had a resurgence with uh, like when dr dre in the early 90s had yeah. his solo career took off it was he was always giving credits and throwing uh, references out to funkadelic so
3: yeah i mean they're they're massively influential and again i th- i think uh you know um Almost like the Iron Maiden of that style of music, whereas you never heard them on the radio, but they were were filling football stadiums in the 70s, just strictly on the reputation of the live show, and also, you know, people who owned the music were, you know, uh, just way into it, so.
0: Well, I guess that's my next question, kind of off that funkadelic band, and Maybe Tesla. Can a band fall into being underrated after being very successful during their run? Because, you know, sometimes as generations move forward and decades keep coming, bands that were popular start to fade, start to be underappreciated, start to be underrated. You know, there was a big article about Van Halen prior to Eddie passing about, Due to the fact that they haven't toured. This is before it was known that he was sick. They haven't toured. They haven't released any new music. Not releasing any anniversary editions. You don't hear their music in movies or on commercials. Van Halen was poised to be one of those bands that kind of fades off into the distance, right? Or into the the sunset. And that can happen. I mean, there are bands that maybe had huge success, but for whatever reason... they fail to connect with another generation. And as time moves forward, they they do fall into obscurity. So that's a possibility too, you know, with a band maybe like Funkadelic or, you know, is, is Tesla heading that way? Um, time will tell with those bands. But I do think that's a possibility.
1: I think you can make that argument for pretty much any band, except for the Beatles or Led Zeppelin, if you want to say like, they're underrated because they're as good as those two. Like if you want to say that about Van Halen, you know what I mean? Like you could say, put them up there in that absolute top shelf. Yeah, but, the, but you have to define underrated. You know what I mean? Like well, it's, well it's I think to, us I, to define it. I think I think <laughs> what
0: the difference is between what you're saying with Zeppelin and the Beatles is Zeppelin the Beatles are still relevant in large part because they stay in front of people. They stay in front of generations. Oh yeah. You know, whether they do, you know, these box sets of their anniversary editions for their albums, like Zeppelin did and the Beatles do, you know, or you know, Beatles selling their song to a commercial that opens up the door. You know, if they do a commercial for a cell phone company, you know, and it's Here Comes the Sun. Oh, all the kids that are looking to get that phone now have that song in their head. Van Halen really Hasn't done that and really wasn't doing that. When you talk about the '80s with Van Halen, with their songs being in Fast Times at Ridgemont High or Better Off Dead or in in Back to the Future, they were doing things to stay in front. I mean, they were one of those bands that was part of pop culture back then, not just part of the rock scene. I mean, we're all relatively the same age. I mean, everybody remembers people wearing Van Halen painters caps and the rock t-shirts and all that kind of stuff happening. But as time moved on and they stopped making music or touring and doing things, they do become forgotten because that next generation who's coming, they're they're not doing anything to stay in front of those generations. So that's what I kind of mean with that. Like Zeppelin and the Beatles, and even probably even the Stones, you could say are bigger now than they ever were during their peak of their popularity. Especially, I, I think, especially Zeppelin. I mean, Zeppelin releases a coffee table book you know for 500 bucks or 200 bucks and everybody goes and buys it because it's got rare photos or whatever mm-hmm. so and there's other bands too i think you know def leppard being on the stadium tour motley Crue with their movie the dirt that opened up a whole new generation of motley Crue fans when you look at the demographic that was buying motley Crue merchandise prior to the dirt it was over 35 after that movie the majority of the people buying their merchandise was under twenty-five. Wow! So, I mean, there is something to 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 be said about a band being smart and being able to have their legacy live on. You know mm-hmm. what
3: I mean? Yeah. And I, since you mentioned Def Leppard, I mean, this, as most people know, uh, you know, Tesla and Def Leppard are you know friends on a personal level. You know, Tesla warmed up for them, uh, opened for them in the in the round tour. From, of the hysteria album um, you know things like that and I think that's what people are getting at when they talk about Tesla is because you know Tesla couldn't like I said they were headlining the outdoor sheds in 92 and they just couldn't sustain that you know Def Leppard has been headlining the sheds for decades and now they're playing the baseball stadiums and but you know I mean fucking just today I reposted a Blabber mouth article at Def Leppard's got a, a line of makeup and cosmetics.
0: I saw that for, too, yeah. Uh,
3: for women, you know, and men too, who knows? But, uh, um, it's that, like you said, it's that kind of that merchandising, the licensing, the product placement go down the list. And then, you know, obviously having massive songs like pour some sugar on me and i'll i'll go down the list i mean tesla i love song and in the the signs cover but other than that i mean they, they definitely have a ton of songs you remember but did they resonate in a crossover level i mean our soccer moms uh jamming out to tesla probably not so i mean it, it, when, you, when you hit that gold mine of crossover Peel, there's really no end to it unless you screw it up yourself. Somehow. And it,
0: you know, it pays to have good people around you, P- keeping your music in front of people, keeping your your name in front of people. Um, you know, I, I hate to kind of keep beating a dead horse, but really, no one does it better than the Beatles and Zeppelin. You know, these are bands that have not toured in for the you know for the Zeppelin, they haven't toured in forty some years. The Beatles never really toured, but they haven't played a live event in fifty plus years. So, but here they are. They'll put out a greatest hits album. And it'll be number one on Billboard. People will go buy it. Yeah, um, you know, and, and that's just smart marketing, staying in front of people. Uh, and I think bands like Def Leppard and Motley Crue. You can even make the the argument that Queen learned a lot, you know, with their movie with Freddie about Freddie Mercury, keeping in front of people, keeping that's sustainability for generations. That's, that's a huge thing.
3: Yeah, and at the end of the day, you can't be averse to it. This whole preposterous notion of selling out and all this. Yeah. Crap. It's like, you know, this, this is your livelihood. This is your brand equity. That's worth something. Why wouldn't you try to maximize it? it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Especially to a schlub like me who, uh, always wanted to be on that level and, uh, came, came up woefully short, but it's just like when you, when you have something that's worth that much and you don't maximize the value, it's just very strange to me.
4: And a lot of the bands that you're bringing up that are these, like the Beatles, Zeppelin, uh, throw Nirvana in there. Um, Queen, they all have something in common and that's a, uh, it's, something that people can't see ever again. It can't happen again because somebody died tragically young. There's an infatuation when something like that happens. And I think that that I'm, I'm, I'm not saying people exploit it uh, business wise, but I think it adds to the interest of, like you get a younger, you get someone who wasn't even born when the Beatles were around or Zeppelin even, uh, or even Nirvana at this point and you yeah. get a younger person and they they might become infatuated with this band in part because there's this tragic figure who died young who was associated yeah. with it and it can they can never see them it's uh, the whole story's been written it's over there's something to that i think
0: That's a good point i definitely think that's that's part of it absolutely
1: All right Andy time for your picks <laughs> I'm going to go with an unknown duo Virtually unknown duo of Bruce Arnston and Kib Ree Shellstad, the guys who uh, composed the score for Ernest Scared Stupid.
0: <laughs> Couldn't even
1: finish the sentence. The opening Andy credits. Is, Andy is in rare. <laughs> the, the opening credits,
4: man, it has no right wow. to as good as it is. I have to say, though, that that op- the opening credits, it makes me laugh out loud every time the faces that Jim Barney makes.
1: Yeah. Out Loud Laughter. I didn't know who that song was by, and that's not my real pick, but I just had to look it up on YouTube. And there's a comment, this song has no right to be so funky. So there you go. (laughs) That person's right. Next one, a weirdly high-quality theme. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, I had two picks I was debating between. Um, My first one was Porno for Pyros, but I don't think they have enough material I mean, that was what's making me not go in that direction. But the first album is front to back great. Um, There's two albums. The pick I'm going with is what Nick said earlier, Real Big Fish. And um, it's an odd one, sort of. Nick and I are brothers, so that must be part of the reason we both chose that. But um, I think what happened is uh, they were playing a type of music that – became a a quick trend in the mid to late nineties, like 96, 97. And when that trend wore off, that music was no longer, uh, I don't want to say taken seriously, but it was no longer pushed to the forefront. And it was kind of like, oh, that was a thing that, you know, is uh, no longer in vogue. It's sort of like, oh, even the people who were into it, it became a thing where it's like, oh, that's not cool anymore. We're, we've moved on to this style. But I mean, they're still at it making the same kind of music for 30 years. They are a great band. They have great songs. Frontman's excellent. Uh great guitar player, great singer, writes great, awesome songs, great harmonies. Great harmonies, yeah. Um song titles and lyrics. I'm not even a lyrics guy, but they probably have my favorite uh song titles and lyrics out of any band. So th- okay, th- how, how would you describe their music? they're basically uh like a third wave ska band.
4: Yeah, like the ska punk uh scene, mm-hmm. I think also appreciated them. They were a little bit more accessible, I guess, than a lot yeah. of that, but
1: yeah, but like the difference between them and a lot of the other bands that were like in that underground with them is that real big fish has great songs. <laughs> like you could play it in any style you want and the songs are great. Some of the other bands, it was more just like uh, a trend thing, like, let's try this thing out that's cool right now. And they even do
4: that live. They have one of their songs, they play it in I don't know how many styles, and they pull Mm. off every style. They do it as kind of a novelty thing.
1: Yeah, it's on this live album called, uh, what is that called? Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Our live album is better than your live album. And they do uh, one of their songs that's like a one-minute song, but they do it like... Nick said seven or eight times and, and like, Oh, i am not really feeling today. Let's do it. Uh, like, uh, whatever death metal. And they do death metal. Let's do a country. Let's do it. Right. But like, but that also shows how great they are as musicians. Cause they pull off all these different styles when they're just goofing around, but excellent band. Excellent. What
0: album up. would you recommend people get or check out?
1: I guess you have to start with the, the first one, turn the radio off. That's the one that had sell out. If you remember that song, when it came out, um, that's the big one. I also like, we're not happy till you're not happy. Um, and what song, know. what song is like the main song was sell out. But, um, I think drinking on, we're not happy till you're not happy is a great song. I would try that one. And I would try the live version of S R the two letters S R. Yeah. Just a, a great
4: tight band. And, um, I think they were one of the bands that sort of at the end of the ska third wave, uh, thing when it started falling out of popularity, they tried holding on to the momentum by being a little more rock than Mm -hmm. ska. There were several bands that did that. And I, I don't know that very many of them that it worked where they just kept, they kept that popularity. And it kind of was for people who were fans, it was like, Oh, well, they're kind of, there, there, There's an edge to their sound that's not there anymore.
2: Yeah,
1: they're
4: trying to hold on to some to the same level of success. I think.
2: Awesome.
0: I will definitely check them out. That was an era. That was an interesting era of music. Yeah, kind of coming out of that grunge era. You mm. know, where where a lot of I think music was trying to find itself. I remember a band from that era called the Samples, mm. which were a great band. They were like a like a police reggae type band okay. actually at one point i think dave matthew's band opened up for them um before mm-hmm. dave matthew's band became as popular as they were but that was an interesting period of music i do remember some interesting stuff some good stuff that was coming out
4: yeah, like the whole swing renaissance happened during that point it was yeah, like any, yeah. anything goes
1: yeah right they were just looking for whatever's next, right? And like just like, let's try this, let's try this, let's push this. Just as long as a chain wallet was associated, it was gonna work. <laughs> that was a requirement.
0: It worked for all of those styles. All right. Well, I guess we're gonna get into my pick. Um yeah. I kind of had four choices I was trying to to nail down. Mm. Um the first one I came up was the band Faces with Rod Stewart and Ron Wood, okay. very big in the UK, you know, with um, uh, "Stay with Me," uh, but didn't really have anything else. "Oh La La" was was kind of was a was a big hit, but it was made popular by a TV show later on. Um, but because Rod Stewart kind of was interchanged with his solo career at the time, and Ron Wood later went out with the Stones, I kind of did decided not to not to choose them um a band named Marvelous 3 which to me is one of the best unknown bands of all time but they never really had any success to say they were underrated they're more unknown and underappreciated this is a band that was started by Butch Walker who's now the acclaimed producer who does everybody from Pink to you name it he's produced them and he came and it was started with three guys from the band South Gang that were part of that 80s scene towards the end. Another band that uh, I really like is Big Wreck from Canada. Fantastic band. Ian Thornley is a great guitar player, great singer. But I got to go with a band that I've been a fan of since I was a kid. That because of being with a bad record contract, being with a bad record label, uh, they were never able to really find success. I don't think they ever toured or, or, or I'm sorry, headlined arenas. They were always a support act. Um, wrote great songs, and that is Y&T from Oakland, wow. California. Uh, y and if you look at their catalog and their albums, from that early raw years of Black Tiger and Mean Streak into them trying to chase after that MTV popularity with Down for the Count and, you know, Summertime Girls, which was a single. Um, and then later going to Geffen after getting screwed for years by AM Records and getting screwed by John Kladner on Geffen Records. They're a band that, that should be mainstream rock. That had some really good songs, but just was never able to find it for a variety of different reasons. Yeah, that's a
4: great not, one, man. That's I, a... I never knew what does Y and T stand for
0: yesterday and today. Okay. Hmm. They were originally called yesterday and today, and then they changed right before the album black tiger to Y and T. But just an absolute, um, great catalog, great songs, great singer, Dave McKenney, Dave Manichetti is kind of a poor man's Gary Moore. It's kind of a good comparison for him on guitar.
3: Better singer than Gary Moore. Oh,
0: absolutely. What a great singer. Yeah. But y- yeah. Y&T was just, um, when you think of Dave Medicetti on lead guitar and vocals, Joey Alves on rhythm guitar, Philip Kenmore on bass and the great Leonard Hayes on drums, Yeah, man, that's a great lineup.
3: Yeah. And that, um, the, I think that, Summertime Girls was this, was the studio single off that live album, Open Fire. Yeah. It came out with in the mid-80s. That was a staple of my uh, college years listening. I, I I wore that album. Well, I wore that cassette out on my Walkman going back and forth to class and um, various other places. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know where where you would suggest somebody starts probably Black Tiger or some of those other ones you mentioned but
2: yeah no...
0: that's a that's a hard one to say hey obviously their big song their two big songs are summertime girls and mean streak those are probably their two most recognizable songs black tiger and mean streak are from that raw period of the 80s that early 80s um where there really wasn't a lot of glitz and there wasn't really a lot of tricks with the music it was just kind of straight ahead Rock music, so if you're into that, I would start with one of those two. But if you're more into that Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Theatre of Pain era, I would go down for the count, which had "Summertime Girls," the 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 single version, because the original one was on "Open Fire," the live album. Yeah, and then "All American Boy" was on there, um, which was another mild hit. And then I really, really like the album "Contagious." Which was their first one off Geffen after they left A and M, which has got some great, great stuff too as well. And I even like their album Ten, which is kind of a forgotten. They had that, they had the song "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark," so really good stuff. Um, it's a shame. In fact, Dave Medicetti, he's the only surviving original member now. All the original yeah, members are gone. Right.
3: Mm. Exactly, and um, I really liked um, uh, in Rock We Trust the. Um, yep. That, uh Don't, Don't stop, stop Running. running.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of the
3: best uh, fuck you songs of all time. That one, you know, if you ever get... Well, hopefully it's not happening to us in our advancing age, but back in the day, if you ever got uh, dumped by a girl, you put that thing on and you're just, you know, feeling better about things and ready to move on to the next one. Uh, yeah, One of my favorite songs of all time. Um, but that that live album it's a single live album most live albums are double live um but the, the the song selection the performances are just top flight on that whole thing
0: i love rock and roll gonna it's gonna change the world that's a great song yeah Lipstick yeah. and leather was another great one
3: yeah 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 um yeah. That's a great one. That's a. I, I didn't even occur to me, and I'm surprised no none of your listeners mentioned that. But yeah, that that I think that, I think you landed on one that that fits the criteria to the T.
0: It's a shame that there's a lot of great music out there, but like you said earlier, Chris, you know if you don't have the backing, then you might as well just accept it and. You know, unless there's a, a groundswell support of, you know, or, of, of, uh, word of mouth or whatever, you're really not going to, um, you're not going to have any sustainability. That's just the unfortunate truth of the music business where some, you know, you guys had Todd Dammer Kearns on, which who I love. He's a great, great interview. One of the things we talked about in that conversation was over the next 10 years, the landscape of music with these legacy artists is going to change drastically. 10 years from now, these bands are not going to be touring. Maiden's not going to be touring, the Stones won't be touring, all these big stadium acts, football stadium acts won't be tour- touring.
1: Yeah, it has to um, come to an end at some point,
0: right? So the so the question that we were discussing was because of the importance of money and who is you know, who decides which bands get to that next level? Will you see these bands that have been kind of lurking for a while, like a rival sons, like a blackberry smoke, all of a sudden get this financial support and backing because these promoters know that there's going to be a huge hole of rock bands and concert tickets and concert sale tickets, you know? So what's going to happen with, with that stuff? And it's an interesting question to, 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 to kind of think about is, you know, these bands that are, play in these theaters, well, all of a sudden they're going to be, you know, huge stars. It's, it's, it could could definitely happen. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. And just um, the thing about it though, is like, you've got to, you got to, to get the true stadium or big venue experience, you, you gotta embrace the, the visuals, the, the pyro, the light show, all that stuff to, to really captivate an audience. I mean, it's like like Ed Sheeran, the guy plays Soldier Field, he's one one fucking guy with an acoustic guitar and a and a sampler at his feet. And there's 80,000 people there to see him. He's, he's there on the strength of the material and the popularity of the material. But is, is, is that, is that visually captivating in any way? I, I don't see how it could possibly be it just, there's, there's none of that big production stuff that I think you also need um, with the uh, with with playing those venues and i i talk about this all the time with nick and andy but you know another band that's coming around to football stadiums this year is is the red hot chili peppers okay the 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 popularity of the of the songs warrants putting them in those venues but their their sound is very minimalist and they're they're just not like a you know pyro going off uh uh, huge per, huge visual production band so i don't just seeing them in that huge of a venue you're gonna end up looking at the video screen watching the camera feed of what's going on on stage and just, just
1: and there's you know, not much to see on the video screen either
3: yeah i mean yeah they're visual in terms of you know sort of being into the music but they're not you know Ketus is not going to be running from one mm. kind of catwalk to the other and captivating the entire crowd. And it's just mm. like, yeah, you can fill those stadiums based on the popularity of the material band. But once you get people in there, you got to, what's lost on a lot of these bands is going that extra mile to entertain them. And uh, that's the thing that I think is really going to be a vacuum. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of these bands just, you know, never had to do that because people were getting all that from the legacy bands who that was their whole thing through their whole career. So you're going to have to have uh, bands either embracing that when they never did before, which is going to be odd or just having the the young upstarts, uh, you know, taking over these massive visual productions. I mean, I, I think you need that in those venues.
4: At least Flea will likely be naked, though. That's good. So that's that's a vital part of the show. That'll take probably n-
0: never go away. <laughs> well, I mean, he'll definitely be ready for a table shower after that, <laughs> after the show. Uh, but it's interesting to see how it evolves. Because if you would have told me 10 years ago, Red Hat Chili Peppers would be playing football stadiums, I would have said you were crazy. They had. A, they've got a great catalog. In, in, in an interesting catalog i'm particularly not a fan of theirs but they never had that success that level of success in my opinion even during their peak they were playing arenas but you know are 50 60,000 people going to go pay 300 hours to go see red hot chili peppers i mean i guess I that's so. the, well that's the question it's like now that these bands aren't touring anymore and there's that huge contingency of people who spend money on shows what are these promoters going to start offering up for these people? That's the big question. You know, as you know, Motley Crue and Def Leppard, you know, there was no way that tour was not going to happen based on the amount of money that live nation is going to be making on those guys.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure. So
0: um, it's just an interesting to see how this, what happens. And as if there's these bands that have been kind of underneath the surface for a while, all of a sudden, a wow, like smashing pumpkins, playing arenas now i mean smashing pumpkins was never more than a 2000 3000 seater
3: act when even in their prime
2: uh, um
3: i don't know about that but i mean they were definitely you know they that's the other thing is a lot of these bands in their heyday the, the heyday we're talking about in the 90s they they would headline uh, Lollapalooza.
0: Which was, yeah but pumpkins never I, don't, I mean pumpkins was from chicago and, I, I mean, the biggest I remember them ever playing was the Aragon Ballroom. And all of a sudden, now they're paying, playing hockey stadiums and basketball arenas.
3: Well, that's the other thing is you can't ever discount the uh, the nostalgia factor. And, uh, you know, people who are, as we've lived through it, as, you know, the, the music you listen to when you're 15 – still coming around when you're 35 and now you got the money to afford going to a big old arena show. And uh, there's 20,000 other people like you in every city. That's how it becomes. It's it's, it becomes the nostalgia of it.
4: And there are bands like uh Pearl jam who haven't had a, like a commercial hit. They really haven't had that much. well, that's a I mean, good a good
1: point. What's the last legitimate hit they
4: had? I don't know, but they play. They
0: they can't stop playing stadiums. Yeah. yeah. Well, is that a need because of that era? In large part, has bands that no longer have their frontmen. Alice in Chains, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, Yeah, Stone Garden,
4: of, Yeah, yeah. yeah one of the only uh, the massive bands from that point that
3: are still together. And maybe
0: that's why Smashing Pumpkins is is where they're at too. Because they were part of that era as well.
3: Yeah, Um, yeah, it's got to be part of it. You know, Pearl Jam is, again, they they don't, they're not a super visual band. But I think the thing they they do is almost, they've almost gone down that sort of jam band road where they play these like three hour sets. They mix up the set list. I mean, you go to see Def Leppard on three, four nights of the stadium tour, you're going to get the same set every time you go yeah you'll see pearl jam it's going to be like a jam set where they're like oh they played this and they haven't played that in years they played this uh, first instead of last and and they've somehow got you know that uh that kind of uh sort of appeal going to their live shows where you know people are showing up you know they're huge fans and you know that you throw some deep cuts at them they're loving it whereas a band you know like kiss would never dream of that uh doing that in one of their actual shows because they're all about you know they want to bring in those casual crossover fans and uh and and, and again a lot of their sets are uh, tied in with the with the pyro and the stage production so if you met, if you mix up the set list you got to redo all the the choreography, for lack of a better term. And it's like one thing is locked into the other, and that's why you get, like, the same set over and over from these bands with huge visual productions. So there's that element of it, too. You know, if you you go for the big production, then you're sort of limiting what what you can do with the actual set of music, I think, because the two are so closely tied together and coordinated.
0: Interesting thoughts, definitely. Um, anything else as we wrap up?
3: No? I just, yeah, Andy on fire tonight when he's when he's not burdened with the production task. the pot of thunder, this guy is just uh he's just a riffing comedian, and uh, he, he needs to be a guest on more shows we we need to see this side of him more
0: absolutely. I mean, hey, I didn't think we were going to talk about cereal, but we did. I, I do like his choice of Crispix, though, because that was a that was a staple at my grandfather's house, and I would eat that with no sugar, just straight Crispix.
1: Mm, you can't add sugar. What are you, some kind of heathen?
3: <laughs> and I think you alluded to the fact that uh, Crispix uh, eaters are highly regular, to put it politely.
2: Mm-hmm. Can't, yes.
3: Uh, can't. Can't. Uh, you can't. Undervalue that aspect of a good cereal. You need yes. that in your life.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, you know, nothing like, uh, you know, eating a bowl of crisp getting real tight for the rest of the day, especially if you have a lot going on. You can't be, you know, wandering in and out of public restrooms throughout the day. No. No, you know? no. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, uh, Chris, excellent point. Excellent point. Uh, that's, that's, I think we should end on that.
3: I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, <laughs> probably where people are like, okay, these guys have run out of things to talk about. So then here we
0: are. All right, everyone. Thanks for Pot of Thunder joining the Hook
3: Rocks. It's been too long and look forward to doing it again.
2: Andy. Yeah, back
3: back at you man i mean you're you you're doing a great such a great job with the yeah. followers and getting the guests on and you're really killing it with your show and, uh you know you, and then the other thing i like about what you do is you give exposure to a lot of these newer bands you're walking the walk and doing your part to get the word out on these bands so my my hat's off to you for that it's awesome
0: i appreciate that thank you very much Thank you. You two, you two idiots got anything else to say? This is a wonderful compliment. By Chris, your, uh... Chris,
4: Chris and Andy just said something.
0: What? <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... No, it's... <laughs> no, it was a great time. Thank you for having us. It was sure. an interesting discussion. Uh, some, some bands were brought up that I, frankly, had never heard of, so I'll be checking them out. It's always good to discover something new that's old, that's new to you.
1: Yeah, definitely.
4: So,
0: yeah, I appreciate awesome. the opportunity. Thank you guys and I appreciate uh the hour almost 2 hours of of staring at Andy's bare bare chest. That's right,
2: it
3: was uh that's part of know, the deal. I'm going to go take a cold table shower. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you you don't get that for free on his own only page, I'll tell that's you. Right. That. Well, that's
0: right. Well, hey, yeah. I mean, what's what is the monthly subscription for your only fans page, Andy?
1: The cost, yeah, uh, one box of Crispix per month. Gotcha. Whatever the going rate is for that. The, the,
3: the, 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 cost, the cost, to your dignity though is immeasurable, and really, you can't, can't quantify rate. that. So,
1: yeah, this is
0: true. This is true. All right, guys, Pot of Thunder, great podcast. Check them out on all streaming platforms or on all podcast platforms. I should say. Great mix of comedy, music talk. Um, they just did a great conversation with Todd Dan Kearns. They break down a lot of music on their show. In fact, I think their latest episode, another underrated band that they talk about is the band Badlands, mm. which, uh, you know, no one, no, no one brought it up today, but that is a band that people should listen to, especially their debut album, uh, one of the most uh, underappreciated great bands of the late 80s, early 90s. Featuring Jakey e. Lee and Ray Gillen.
1: All right, I love them for some reason. Nick doesn't. I don't get it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Nick, Nick, uh-huh. Nick. The Nick's a tough nut to crack with uh, that style of music. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just not into it.
0: Great album. Great stuff. Thanks, guys. Thank you, man. Right. Appreciate Thanks, it. Jay. Appreciate it, man. All right, everyone. I'm Jay Scott. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk soon. Take care of each other. Thanks.